0: Studio Stories, Studio Stories.
1: A podcast reminiscing on Twin Cities dance history.
0: Stories are among our most potent tools. All stories are connected, new ones woven from threads of the old. Hi, I'm Joe Crook. And I'm Matthew Janjewski. Welcome to Studio Stories. Today our guest to share a bit of their Twin Cities history is Lee Dillard.
1: Currently a Feldenkrais practitioner and instructor, Lee has quite a rich history as a dancer, professor at the College of St. Benedict, choreographer, and co-founder in the mid-80s of New Dance Ensemble.
0: Welcome, Lee.
2: Hi. Thanks. (laughs)
0: Lee, it's so great to have you here. Uh, I'm so fortunate to have met you very early in my career. I feel as though you continue your support of the art form to this day uh, with creative and curious, uh, curious vantage points of what the field is doing and how it is essential. There's yeah. so much of your history, Lee, that I do not know. So it's super cool to get a bigger picture of you. Well,
2: um, great you guys are doing these stories because in listening to other people, I'm still finding about stuff that I didn't know about Linda Shapiro.
0: <laughs> oh my, well, that's even crazier. <laughs> well, very cool. Thank you, yeah, it's been really fun. Um, so first off, the the usual question we ask, Uh, How did you start dancing? Where did your dancing find you?
2: Um, I started dancing, you know, sort of as a grade schooler. Everybody had to take tap jazz and ballet. (laughs) And I just fell in love with ballet and really wanted to pursue it. Never mind that I was not a ballet body (laughs) to to begin with. Um, But it was certainly the only thing that engaged me. Physically, I was not, um, I was like porky pig on point. <laughs> huh. So, uh, at one point I really wanted to go off to one of the, you know, I'd look at dance magazine and want to go off to one of the summer ballet camps and stuff. And my father, um, was not very supportive. Um, and so in high school I quit dancing and, um, didn't really think about it until I took my first modern dance class in college. And, um, I was in a symposium where we studied everything from anthropology, religion, philosophy, um, literature. And one of our finals uh, in the spring was to do a paper on existentialism. And I boldly, given that it was the 60s, asked if I could make a dance instead. Hmm. And I choreographed my wow. dance Um, and when I think about it now, I have no idea what an existential dance looks like (laughs) (laughs) or what I did. All I can think is, Oh my God, it must've been awful. Um, but I was just, it kind of made me feel like I was alive for the first time. I felt like my body, mind and spirit were finally in the real world. Hmm. Um, And fortunately it was a very mixed program and they, the department said, all of two people, the department said, you know, well, maybe you should take a few more courses before you decide to be a major. But, um, I really lucked out in terms of the people I got to study with. The first year, um, was, a, a Graham dancer, Japanese woman, and that was horrible because um, she would go around and, and grip people's butts and saying, grip, grip, grip. Well, I gripped so hard I literally fell on the floor. I was huh. shaking so hard. And then the next two years we had a guest artist that had been in Eric Hawkins' company. Um, and she really probably saved my dancing life because um, the Hawkins technique was really about being a little bit more true, can you, you know, in terms of kinesiology um, and finding easier, gentler ways to, to move. Um, she also made us read Mabel Ellsworth Todd's book, The Thinking Body. And many, many years later, I realized that it was really very much along the lines of Feldenkrais. So in some ways, I kind of um, took me a long time to make all those connections, um, hmm.
0: What college is this at, Lee? It,
2: it was Randolph-Macon Woman's College in Lynchburg, Virginia. It's now co-ed. And um, it, it was a very small private women's college. My mother had gone there and she had taken dance classes and she was a classics major, but Greek and Latin. And they did all the Greek tragedies in the language and the dancing. And I've seen some of the films from those um, and, and they're – amazing. Um, Helen McGee from Martha Graham's company uh, taught there for quite a while. Um, So Hmm. um, being there was, you know, kind of following in my mother's footsteps in some ways, although I certainly not taking Greek and Latin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And are you from Minnesota originally then? Or was that?
2: I'm from North Carolina, but both my parents um, were from Lynchburg. So my grandmother lived across the street and, you know, I had lots of cousins in town, um, but they all thought that the college was kind of a communist, you know, it was way too liberal for the town. So um, (laughs) anyway, so this woman that had been in the Eric Hawkins company was there and really um, all of us fell in love with her, but she was just a guest artist. And then my senior year, um, Daniel Negrin was guest artist and he was completely different um, influence, but I got to do one of his solos. Another dancer and I uh, got to alternate doing one of his solos, but he was quite a character. Um, I don't know if either one of you know anything. I, about
0: I feel like, I hope I'm not confusing him with someone else, but did he do the, the wood nymphs kind of pieces? Um no.
2: No, nope. he was, um, he was married to Helen Tamiris and they did a lot of political, social activist um, kind of dancing and stuff on Broadway. Um, but he was really, after she died, he really was, uh, did one man shows and his most faint, one of his most famous pieces was called the Peloponnesian Wars. And it was like a two hour mm-hmm. long solo where he talked and acted wow. and, um, even change clothes on stage. Um, so he very much believed that dances should be about something. Um, and he had asked us one day in composition class to do some, some piece about you have to be X. And I, I did something and he was sort of like, your X must be a dancer because, you know, whatever you're doing, it's not, clearly what I asked you to do, but anyway, um, he was, he was, um, I, you know, thought he was like a, an ancient, he was probably in his fifties, but I probably thought he was 70 at the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can get that more often.
2: (laughs) So from, from there, I, I mean, I knew I was not technically strong as a dancer, um, and a number of, um, Friends that had gone to New York, that had graduated to dance after after college, you know, just ended up taking classes and, you know, having a horrible secretarial job to pay for classes and, and really never danced. Um, and while I was still in college, I had started teaching. Um, I'd started a class at the men's college um, in a storefront. And so I'd go across the mountains to Washington and Lee University and Teach a class. And I just, I really wanted everybody in the world to dance. I wanted um, people to experience um, themselves through movement. So I went to um, graduate school to get my Master of Fine Arts um, at the U in Wisconsin, Madison. And um, because the woman that I talked about earlier had gone there, and I actually rented a home that she owned there, and found out that the department that Margaret Dobler had started, you know, Margaret Dobler's name. I don't. Okay. So she founded one of the first dance departments in a college and university. And she had a really wonderful philosophy uh, about um, people needing to be able to be expressive and creative using their bodies. She wasn't interested in teaching a specific technique, but really the emphasis was on kind of unleashing um, a person's creativity. And the department was full of um, the people that should have retired but were hanging in there. One of whom, um, which is another little thread to continue, um, was Louise Klepper, who had danced with Hanya Home that Nancy Hauser worked with. So once I graduated from. Um, graduate school, I made my way to the Twin Cities and found a, a natural fit with Nancy, Nancy Hauser because of, um, the connection. Um, actually the, the woman as an undergrad had studied with Mary Bigman, which is who Hanya Holm was a student of and was brought to the U.S. to open the school. I think Heidi Hauser talked a lot about that history of the connection with Hanya, um, so during grad school I was um appalled with the, the lack of challenges that the the, the faculty presented so uh, my fellow grad students and I formed a little company called New Dance Ensemble uh. Uh, and um my husband I was married to a guy that was getting his masters in arts administration so he was the manager and we got uh, other grad students in the theater department to be a costume designer and lighting designer. And uh, the other grad students and I choreographed and um, put on performances and toured around Wisconsin.
0: Oh, my um, gosh. And is this at uh, in Madison or Milwaukee? In Madison. In Madison. Wow. How? What year around was this, Lee? So it was
2: 71 to 74, 75.
0: Oh, my goodness.
2: Um, So it was, um, you know, I I feel embarrassed to say that I thought my graduate school experience was a a complete flop, Um, but it certainly um, allowed me to um, pursue things that I was interested in. So I'm I'm grateful for, um, you know, if something's not happening for you, you got to make it happen for yourself. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And my... A husband, I mean, my husband at that time's father, was a composer. He actually did the very first um, Moog synthesizer um, intro for uh, National Public Radio, All Things Considered, that little beat. Beep, 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 beep. I can't sing it, but um, <laughs> he was famous for having created that little ditty. Um, so, for my sort of yet to do a major concert, as your master's thesis, whatever. And um, because of my husband's family's connections with um, the radio station and TV station there, um, I got interested in dance for the camera, and it was just beginning. Um, I mean, dance didn't translate very well with just, you know, doing a straight-on video. So I choreographed something using green screens and, you know, all these design backdrops and my father-in-law did the music and it was um, broadcast nationally on public television and won a major award Um, and that was the last time I ever did anything for the camera (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it was brutal videoing uh, sitting in a cold um, TV station um, on concrete floors you know, waiting for hours to do a, a, a 10 second shot. So, so um, in 1975, I um, came to Minneapolis to take a workshop with Viola Farber at the university um, and met Nancy and other people in her company. And she asked me to stay and teach when she found out kind of what my connection to Mary Vigman and kind of those roots. Um, and then I was a member of the company from 76 to 79.
0: Oh, my gosh. I had no idea.
2: Um, so it was great listening to, to, to Heidi talk about, you know, kind of the guild. And, of course, you know, we were teaching, and the, um, I was in the apprentice company before I was in the, the big company. Um, but Nancy was so supportive of people doing their own work and I had to laugh thinking about the programs that we did, particularly the one that Heidi was talking about at the Walker off the Walker wall and
0: mm.
2: just, um, the freedom and it just kind of, the um, you know, working with different voices. I mean, with different choreographers and, and people that you were dancing with and, you know, sort of seeing how different we were, um, even though we were all in, you know, working in the same company. Um, so there, so, go ahead.
0: Sorry. So you you came here to Minneapolis specifically for that um, Viola Farber workshop and basically stayed ever since then, it sounds. Yeah.
2: And Viola, I, you know, for some reason, I, I suppose kind of just geographically given where I was, I had never seen um, any of Merce Cunningham's work. And so, um, The kind of training that I had, as I said, it was kind of went from Graham to Eric Hawkins um, to a little bit of um, Nikolai stuff. Um, But I had never seen Merce's work. I mean, I certainly knew of him. Um, And so when I took Viola's workshop, um, all of a sudden I felt like my body had kind of found the vocabulary that it wanted, Hmm. Um, even though that's not kind of what Nancy's company was doing. Um, But Viola did a piece for Nancy's company and Ralph Lemon and I had a a wonderful duet in that. And then after we left Nancy's company, Ralph, I think, danced a bit for Viola when he went to New York uh, before he started his own company. So it was just one of those things where, um, you know, for me, it was all dancing and I loved all the improvisation that we did. At Nancy's um, and you know I again sort of enjoyed the support and freedom that we had to to make work of our own um, which I think um, was really one of the, the greatest strengths of, of the company and the guild um, and so I, I think Linda mentioned that we met when she was curating a choreographer's Um, evening and Ralph and another dancer in the Nancy's company um, and I were working on a trio and she asked us to you know be in the choreographer's evening and then you know I ended up doing um, some of Linda's work um, prior to New Dance Um, and I really um, enjoyed Linda's work um, because I felt like she had such a unique movement style vocabulary and um, just, I mean, she's an incredible choreographer and um, so I I feel like I'm one of those people that, you know, I'm drawn to specific um, people. I mean, either as teachers or as choreographers. Um, And um, I, I think the world has changed in a way that a lot of dancers dance for a lot of different people and not necessarily signing up for a lifetime with one company. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, I just, you know, I understand the, the financial reasons, reasons for it. Uh, but I also think that um, it's great when you can um, really work with someone long enough to really understand, you know, them and the movement and the work, uh, you know, from from the inside out.
0: And yeah, I see the benefits of that and as well understand, obviously, the the, the need to make a living and, and be seen and getting to perform more or, or things like that um, instead of just dedicating it to that one choreographer. What was it about Linda's, can you describe kind of her aesthetic or something that appealed to you?
2: Well, I mean, it's sort of <laughs> we tease her because she's spatially dyslexic
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and um, her you know what she considers move you know sort of some of her movements um, that come naturally to her really don't come very naturally to the rest of us um, so you know it was a challenge, but I also think she is um just brilliant intellectual i mean she's light years ahead of. Me in terms of both her understanding of structure and creating structures, um, and so it was just a joy to work with somebody that had you know there was a lot to dig into. There were many different layers and levels. It, you know, wasn't just the movement, and it was sort of the similar to Merce in a way that you can look at the piece, same piece, you know, ten times and see something different every time. So. Um, that really appealed to me that, you know, once you've done a dance um and you're gonna do it for, you know, a hundred performances, you hope that there's something that you can still learn on the hundredth and first time you do it. Yeah. Um so I think kind of having those kind of nuances and layers and you know, it, as you know, it's like the struggle of being able to have enough performances the same you know a number of performances where the dancers have a chance to to really get a grasp and then as a choreographer you know to see it over time and to be able to make changes and Linda did I mean I and she's not the only one but I I think that it's important for people to understand that you know the first time you do a dance it's not always so so hot (laughs) you you need to be able to um, tweak it Uh, And, you know, when you change cast, as you know, sort of you're doing something that, you know, worked one way with one cast of dancers. And it's something else when you you have cast changes, which I think we showcased really um, wonderfully when we had the Merce Cunningham um, trio. And when we did a benefit and Merce and Sage kind of talked And we did cast number one and Sage and Merce talked about it and then cast number two. And, and the audience was amazed with, you know, it felt like a different dance with different dancers. Mm -hmm. The steps are the same, but you, you see something else depending on who's doing it.
0: Yeah. And what was that like uh, at the time of performing Linda's work? What was that? Were you an independent artist? hired by Linda at that time then
2: prior to new dance. Yes. It was Linda Shapiro and dancers and that was Linda and Lee doing stuff. And then, you know, then we came together to, to do new dance. Uh, But I also danced with um, Marty Farnioli, Uh Swispers of America um, and, you know, other, you know, dancers. I mean, Becky Heist, um, Nancy Duncan, who moved to New York um, Steve Kester. So in, out of the, the group that I was with in Nancy's company, um, Ralph and Steve went off to New York. Steve Kester formed Creech and Kester. Um, and then of course Ralph, our McCarthy, MacArthur genius.
0: (laughs) Yes. Amazing person.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, when we were on tour with Nancy's company, we did a lot of the, um, artists in the school residencies where we'd be at a place for two weeks, you know, teaching um, all day and eventually performing and stuff. And towards the end of um, my tenure in the company, we had been in Arizona uh, for several um, gigs. I don't know how long we were there. I don't know whether we were out for six weeks or something, but, We had a week in between gigs and the company didn't have enough money to um, pay us or put us up anywhere. So um, Ralph and Steve Kester and Jessica Lockhart and I camped for a week (laughs) out in the desert. Uh, And fortunately, we had this creek um, where we... uh, It was springtime, so it was warm, and we... Went nude and played in the water like, you know, (laughs) ten-year-olds.
0: What a great memory! Uh, So, so,
2: you know, sort of like the touring you think is going to be so glamorous, and it's really not. (laughs)
0: You're you're working.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but I always laugh when I think about yeah. Look how far Ralph has come.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But with regards to the process. I'm just trying to give a little glimpse into were you dancing all day? Did you have to, you know, rehearse in the evening for Linda or other job kind of like, was it the the balancing act of today of a dancers, you know, like having three or four jobs going to serving at night and rehearsing in the day or finding some kind of work during the night. You know what I mean? Like,
2: Oh yeah. Um, Well, I was teaching at the Guild um, and then um, after that teaching um, for Linda Andrews um, at Ozone. Um, And I can't remember when we worked on Linda's pieces. I mean, we um, had to rehearse sometime, but I can't remember when or how. I was waiting tables at Mama Rose's. Uh, the Cedar Riverside area. I I don't know whether it still existed when you came to town or not. Um,
0: I don't think so.
2: um, But when I first moved to the cities, I was in those big high rise buildings that um, are there on um, Cedar Riverside that now is full of Somalis. Um, And it was very convenient to the guild, um, which was right there. And I remember rehearsing at um, the Linda Andrews downtown St. Paul space, um, using that. I rented that for rehearsals and stuff. So I can't really, you know, I really honestly, you know, whether it was just so painful you blot out (laughs) that part of your life or uh, how did we do that? Um, But it it came to a point where. my husband told me to quit dancing and get a real job, so I quit him instead. Um, oh, wow.
1: <laughs> Good for you.
2: It's like, oh, well, you know, guess what? <laughs> um, and I got a job at the Guthrie. I was in The Tempest um, as one of the dancer nymph thingies. So I think I lived off of unemployment from that for a year. Uh, Of course, they paid, you know, union scale. So I thought I was rich as all get out. Um, And then Linda and I formed New Dance and, you know, kind of scrapped it together.
1: Uh, And what, I mean, what did that kind of coalition look like? How did that, what were the things that you were trying to achieve by starting?
2: Well, a number of things. Um, We had been asked by Cindy Gehrig from the Jerome Foundation to Kind of help her understand uh, why dance had not reached the level of theater and music and art. Um, And um, one, you know, it's like most modern dance companies have, you know, a single artist that's not only the artistic director, dancer, and administrator. So it's a a bit of a burnout. Um, And we needed to be able to um, pay dancers so that they didn't have to work six other jobs to be able to be in your piece. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times you you dance for somebody who says, I've applied for a grant, and then after the show is over, they go, oh, I didn't get the grant. So, you know, there goes that. <laughs> no paycheck. Um, mm-hmm. So Linda, Linda and I really wanted to help the community in general by being able to bring in good teachers, uh, but also pay dancers a semi-living wage, um, give them a contract for enough weeks to be able to then you know collect unemployment when we didn't have weeks of work, um, and to you know kind of raise the level of um, uh, visibility of dance and the quality of dance. Um, When I first came to the Twin Cities, um, and I was asking people, so what's going on here? Well, there's Nancy, and there's Loy's Minnesota Dance Theater, and you're either in that camp or you're in Nancy's camp, but you don't mix. You don't go back and forth, and then there was this um, Kendall Laps Ozone Dance, and which I thought was a great company. I mean, Diane Aldis and Kathy Kaziorwitz and Ann Gunderson. I mean, it was incredible company. Um, and Linda did work for them. And Linda and I, um, were a little bit more open to dancers, you know, supporting other dancers and, um, not believing just in one aesthetic. Certainly we had our own and knew the kind of work that we wanted to do, but it didn't mean we, were dismissive of other people's work. Um, so hmm. I guess, you know, So like it was some way of our saying, you know, we wanted all dance supported, but we also knew that something had to change to kind of raise the level of expectation, both for the dancers, but also for the audience members. Um, so, you know, getting money certainly helps um, <laughs> to be able to sustain you know, a body of work. Um, so, I mean, and it took us a while to kind of find our footing. I mean, not, you know, our premiere was not all that stellar, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but you, you, you do what you can and you learn as you go along. Um, and, um, I think the, you know, having been gone, I mean, I was essentially gone from the twin cities Um, for about 10 years and was just amazed when I returned in 99 to, to see how many dance companies, I mean, I think that's just, you know, incredible and, and thrilled that it's not just, you know, two companies or three companies, but, you know, a whole mix. And when I've gone to performances, um, I don't recognize anybody in the audience, you know, and I go to another dance performance and it's a completely different audience from that other company. I mean, it was just, Mm -hmm. um, it used to be the same (laughs) 30 of us went to everybody's stuff. (laughs) It was just like a little inbred feeling. (laughs)
0: Um, It sounds to me, Lee, I was really impressed with kind of your sharing of, your history here a little bit is that it seemed like you were really, you know, at Hauser and getting to dance independently with um, Linda Shapiro and teaching at Ozone. Like it seemed like you were kind of very much laying the groundwork for New Dance. on the
1: dream.
0: What's that? Yeah, yeah.
2: Living the dream. Uh...
0: Yeah, that you didn't, you didn't, you know, get put into that one camp or or so. So it made sense that that then the evolution was new dance ensemble in a way, that next step.
2: And and when Linda and I got together, when we, you know, were thinking about this company and who I mean, Linda really didn't want it to be just about her choreography, and I certainly didn't want it to be about mine. Um And so when we independently made a list of who we'd like to work with, I mean, our lists were almost identical. So it was really um, gratifying to, you know, not have to haggle over, well, you know, who should be, you know, getting to make a piece. And I think repertory companies are a challenge um, because it's really hard. I mean, I, I think it's amazing the growth of, um, what dancers can do today, they certainly couldn't do 30 years ago, just technically. I mean, the training has got to have improved. And maybe it's because people are dancing for different people and learning different things. I, I don't know the answer, but um, I think the um, technical skills are certainly surpass what we, we would have been doing, you know, even at the start of a new dance. Um, so the, the challenge for a repertory company is that, you know, you're asking people to take on a lot of different styles, which I think Xenon did fabulously. I mean, amazing what those dancers could do. Um, and I love that Linda kept going at it for as long as they did. And it was a sad day when, you know, Xenon ceased to exist, um, but I also think it's it's hard in terms of um, developing an audience who kind of, you know, kind of wants to know what to expect when they come to see you. Um, and at the same time, you don't want to pander to that, but you also want to challenge your audiences in some way. And Linda and I acknowledged that, you know, the things that we were interested in weren't necessarily going to pull in the largest audiences in the world. So you have to think about, um, you know, what your real goals are. And, you know, we had to tell the board, we don't want to be an institution. We don't want to last for forever. We want to last for as long as Linda and I are interested. Hmm. And, you know, so, you know, when I left to move to California and Linda turned it into the lab and then when, she felt like it was time for the lap to end. It ended. And I think that's, um, fine. I think too many things go on and on and on. And, you know, not everything has to be brick and mortar.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting to me, I didn't know that you started a company in Wisconsin called New Dance Ensemble. So is that how it kept that name or? How did you and Linda? Yeah, I mean,
2: it, it just seemed to fit. I mean, <laughs> I suppose I may have pushed for it, but it didn't really <laughs> be uh, uh, an in, you know uh, an adequate um, name in terms of we were in really interested in not kind of buying you know classic pieces from other people, but we really wanted people to make new dances on us. Mm-hmm. So I think only. Dan Wagner's Yonker Dingle variations and Mercer's cross currents were the only two previously existing dances Hmm. that we ever did. Um, So all the other pieces were made on our company. Um, And I think, you know, it was, you know, certainly the lab, but, you know, even before the lab, you know, choreographers would say, you know, I've never had this much time and space work and you know sort of and we gave them permission to use the material on their companies i mean it was not kind of um anything special about um new dance owning a piece um so
0: yeah that opportunity always to have that complete focus on the creative process there's just nothing like it
2: and you know i not dancing anymore i mean that's what I miss the most is that I really miss working with other people and kind of the joy of, of bringing people in um, to do um, things for my students who are not dancers, you know, but to give them another voice to experience and to um, challenge them um, and to kind of raise the bar um, to, to let them know that, you know, it's there are lots of possibilities out there. Uh, Yeah.
0: Why, sorry. No, go ahead. (laughs) Why, why did you, uh, where did you premiere new dance ensemble and, and why did you feel like it was not, uh, or kind of a flop or I can't remember what you said now, but (laughs) just not as great as you thought it could be.
2: You know, there was a lot of pressure, you know, here we had gotten a bunch of money and, you know, hired dancers. And, um, the first, um, we had Jeff Slayton did a piece, Pat Catterson did a piece, Linda did a piece and I did a piece and, um, Pat Catterson's piece, um, had the dancers talking. The dancers weren't really happy about that because they had to say things in the dance. And, um, you know, it was, it was a new company. We hadn't been together that long and, you know, Jeff's piece was okay, but it was not knock your socks off <laughs> kind of piece. Uh So, you know, and, and my own choreography, I mean, I, I think I probably had two dances to my name and I, you know, kind of <laughs> choreographed maybe 10 dances and I should have quit it too. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the, I we just you know we learned a lot from um, kind of pulling together people that didn't re- hadn't really danced together and taking on kind of a real mishmash that first like, it's like all you know all four of us were quite different in terms of our choreographic styles. Um, so um, as I say, it just took a while to find find the footing um, that that worked. Um, so, you know, but certainly,
0: you know, it wasn't
2: a disaster, but I I think, um, as, as the reviews said, I mean, glancing back over reviews, I mean, we, we did improve Mm. with age. (laughs)
1: Mm. Uh Wow. Well, Lee, one thing that I would love to talk about a little bit, not shifting gears maybe, is your time at St. Benedict's. Uh, you know, you, you tell us about how you got into that program and, uh, and a little bit about your experience there.
2: Well, um, my husband had gotten a job at St. John's um, and he commuted back to North Carolina for two years because we, I, when we moved to North Carolina, we were living out in the country with my mother in a huge home. And I was um, developing my Feldenkrais practice, and I was teaching at the University of North Carolina, Greensboro. A friend of mine, Jan Van Dyke, um, was in that department. And um, so, you know, I thought that was our home. And John got a job at St. John's. And after two years, I said, well, I guess we live together or we don't. Um, And I really had not wanted to come back to Minnesota, uh, I prefer North Carolina weather. Thank you very much. Um, (laughs) You know, I sort of promised my mother that I would be there so she would never have to go into an old folks home or whatever. So, um, when I came back, moved back to Minnesota, um, there was a new, um, director of the fine arts programming department and she had been hired by the president to put St. Ben's on the map for something. I mean, it's like it was essentially uh, a marketing ploy to to get people to, you know, kind of think more highly of St. Ben's. And so Anna Thompson, the program director, um, decided she concentrate on dance. And when she found out that... Um, I had had a dance company and knew a lot more about dance than she did. Um, I got to be on her advisory council and, you know, make suggestions as to what would be good companies to bring in. Um, St. Ben's at that point had not had um, any dance for 15 years. Um, I don't know whether you know Elena White, um, who was an educator. She had been the last person to teach there. But um, Margaret Dietz, for a number of summers, had taught there, and um, there was a company in residence that was founded by Terry Stoner and Marie Winkler. So they had sort of a semi-professional company, they had you know, guest artists, and then the whole thing went away for money reasons. Um, So I marched myself into the provost office and (laughs) gave her my five-year plan for developing a dance program (laughs) Uh, and started with just a January term uh, session and invited Linda and Mary Easter to come up and teach. And the class was a great success. So little by little, uh, I infiltrated the theater department with just teaching basic Um, dance for non-dancers and um, as much as I pushed to you know kind of strengthen the the dance part of the theater department um, there was not much support and so if I had prospective students ask about the dance program I would just say we don't have one Um, we you know if you want to dance go to Carlton or the U or St. Olaf or Gustavus Adolphus, you know, um, but you know, I'm it and you will only go so far if you, if you want to come here. So that was really sad to me that, um, you know, I couldn't be supportive of, you know, bringing students in. And, um, as great as Anna's, uh, roster of, of dance companies that she brought in, um, they really didn't find a, an audience um, in Saint Cloud, um, and of course I was thrilled when we had Merce Company come three times um, during my tenure there. Um, but Merce had been there in the '60s um, as part of the dance touring program, so um, Merce was familiar with um, our theater and um, the location. So um, this all culminated in um, this huge production in St. Cloud Quarry. Um, They did Ocean, which um, is a piece that's meant to be seen in the round, and the stage is in the center, and an orchestra of 100 musicians rim the top of the the seating area. Um, So it was an absolutely gorgeous setting. Um, and it was co-sponsored by the Walker and Northrop, um, and St. Ben's and it put St. Ben's in such a hole that Anna left (laughs) and we kind of stopped having the number of dance companies. And now we're lucky if one a year comes. So, um, to me, that was a real heartbreak because Um, The master classes that my students got from the various companies were an absolute um, treat for me um, to to be able to take a class and, you know, learn new things, but um, also to have, you know, great artists uh, right there. Um, So, um, you know, as dance diminished, I, you know, you know, certainly was doing stuff for the theater department. Um, but there just came a point where it was unsatisfying for me personally, um, to be doing all the work and not getting what tenured faculty got. And I decided it was better for me to, to leave and not be bitter and angry about not getting, um, what I needed to to be supportive as an artist. So, um, kind of the long and short of it
0: (laughs) yeah that's so interesting i didn't realize that it sounds like you re really gave a reboot to the dance um department there or program as as a professor of dance within the the theater
2: yeah and as i say i mean we really didn't have dancers taking the classes i mean occasionally i would get um some girls from the dance team, but, um, mostly, you know, it was people who were, um, just curious. So, um, for example, um, Joe, when you worked with the students, uh, in 2015 on change, um, mm-hmm. pretty raw talent, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. But very, but, one thing that I have to say, Lee, was that they were so eager and just came into the space with such a uh, ferocity, especially for rec. Um, it just, yeah, it was a really great space to work. It was really fun because uh, they just wanted it and they were raw and they were excited about it. So,
2: so I mean, for me, teaching um, ended up being my greatest joy. I mean, as much as I miss working and performing um, seeing students, um, find themselves and, and, you know, kind of have their eyes opened. Um, in 2013, Crystal Edwards from Black Label created a piece of her own, um, on the students. And again, it was, I had people I'd never seen before students that hadn't taken my class that just auditioned, um, for it. And, um, actually the grandson of this is really stretching it. The grandson of one of my husband's St. John's classmates um, was in it. And I still (laughs) run into his um, grandparents and Oh, Jacob still talks about that dance experience. And you know he would get his buddies out to his grandparents' cabin and they'd be out there showing them their moves that they learned.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's so so great. For me, the
2: joy of introducing people that, you know, never taken a dance class, you know, didn't know what was up or down just um, to find out how amazing it was. So um, for me, it really is introducing people to themselves through movement that um, kind of is is the most gratifying experience. So, um, you know, I feel lucky to have um, ended up getting to teach and and sort of now teaching seniors, which I am one. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, again, for them to kind of do things that they thought that they couldn't do and the community that um, is created when you're working together like that um, is literally a lifesaver for some people.
0: Um, Yeah. Feldenkrais is definitely a new, uh, adventure for myself and it's just incredible to me the you know the smallest movement uh and that intricate attention to it that's focus on it is so amazing you stand up and all of a sudden you're like whoa
2: yep <laughs> yeah
0: it's it's incredible and again i didn't know that you had done Feldenkrais since
2: 1997 yep so uh the head of my department department as an undergrad was a Finnish woman and um she recommended Feldenkrais to me and so I bought Moshe's first book Awareness Through Movement and I inside it wrote my name and the date that I bought it 1975 well I didn't find any Feldenkrais until 1994 and I took a couple of classes at the Y when I was living in North Carolina and went this is it I, this is the (laughs) stuff I've got to do. So I started the training and as much as I absolutely love the physical aspects of it, I found that it really, um, opened me up creatively. Uh, I mean, it's like, was like, whoa, um, things that I would never have thought about or considered. And also sort of as a, um, This is, I mean, it's sort of a spiritual practice in in terms of being a practitioner and the way you um, communicate with another person sort of in the the one-on-one lessons. I don't know whether you're doing um, awareness through movement or whether you're doing the functional integration, Matthew, but um, when I started the training, I didn't know that they were one-on-one hands-on sessions. Um, But that whole thing of being able to... um, be with a person as Moshe says, it's like two nervous systems dancing together. And of course that made all the sense in the world to me. Um, so just being able to be present with another human being, um, which, you know, can be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and many times in and, and many ways. And so being able to find a way to be present with, with people and, you know, real difficulty, whether it's physical difficulty or emotional difficulty, mm. I think was uh, one of the, the biggest um, benefits for me. Um, and just, you know, kind of, I have so many colleagues up here asking, when are we going to have another class? Um, <laughs> as soon as we can. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I think that makes sense, though, because the attentiveness to the subtleties that, you as the instructor practitioner um has to have with that one-on-one it makes a lot of sense to me that you have that focus lee and that you know attention to the subtleties of the of what they're doing you know in the practice i could see that completely And with that, <laughs> I also think you know it, it's incredible to me how much uh, impact you've had with you know New Dance Ensemble, and I had no idea how much uh, you were bebopping around early on, right when you got here in the Twin Cities too. Um, just so so involved right away and engaged, and and what you've brought to the community through College of Saint Ben's and. Your history here it's so great i so appreciate you chatting with us today as part of studio stories
2: well thank you for including me with your uh as i say i haven't listened to, to all that many but i think it's a wonderful um um treasure to have for um those of us that you know, don't really know everything about everyone that you know. Mm-hmm. We may recognize a name or you know know the dancing, but we don't know the whole story. And um, um, along with archives at, at the university, I, I think to be able to you know know something of our history. I mean, I that's one of my cranky old lady things is I so <laughs> many people don't know. You know. Yeah, so. yeah,
0: and that's definitely my cranky old old man thing (laughs) now too so thank you so much i i I really appreciate you joining us today
2: well thank you for having me
0: thank you for joining us today for studio stories next week we hear from morris johnson jr the exuberant teacher and dancer and choreographer extraordinaire of afro-caribbean dance